Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It's Wednesday afternoon here in Ashburn. The Commanders have wrapped up practice. We just were in the locker room talking with the players, and we talked with Ron Rivera earlier, who announced that Sam Howe will, in fact, start in Week 18. Uh, I'll get to that in a moment. Um, Our guest today... Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus. We're going to continue con- uh, our discussion about GM, and this time we'll add coaching candidates to the mix. Brad has been talking a lot about this over at PFF. Um, and what we did kind of went through the exercise of who is like sort of your top target, who is sort of your <clears throat> under the radar guy, and who is somebody you would take a big swing at if given the opportunity um so a fun conversation with brad as always so we'll get to that in a moment here on the podcast which of course you can find on itunes spotify or anywhere you do your podcasting if you missed it i had a story drop on monday more about general manager candidates i I spoke to a lot of people around the league over the last few weeks trying to get a feel for how they see the overall field and any potential insight into Washington. Um, I, I did talk about that a little bit on the last episode uh, as well. Michael Phillips was my guest, but I also went through a couple of the names. So if you've not had a chance to read that, just give a uh, or go, go take a look uh, as well. Um, so, yeah, so Ron Rivera named Sam Howell, the starter, seemed the way it was going to go, uh, but I couldn't imagine you go to Jacoby Brissett. I mean, Sam Howe was reasonable last game, didn't seem to be a guy with any uh, be, being pressing too much the way the coaches had talked about in previous weeks, and in the first half in particular against San Fran, I thought he looked you know pretty reasonable, all things considered. Things fell off a bit for him and the team in the second half. The only other way to have gone, in my view, would be have gone to, to Jake Fromm, no disrespect to Jake Fromm, but obviously as the practice squad quarterback, you know, your chances of winning would decline, would decrease. And that's the whole point right now for Washington, not for the players, not for the coaches, but for the organization winning this game, as we've discussed many times now, would be a disaster. So it is uh, it is Sam Howell against the Cowboys, you know, of course, sort of a literal f- full circle moment here because Sam Howell entered uh, the conversation to possibly be a starter or or a piece for this organization going forward when he faced Dallas in the Week 18 game last year. He gets them again. One difference this time is Dallas is playing. Last year they were sort of playing for something, but the Eagles had the inside track. This time it's Dallas that, that, that does. If they win, they win the NFC East. So they're going to have a lot to play for uh, without question. Um <clears throat> You know, the game itself, you know, I think we can stop debating 
for now at least, you know, does Sam Howe look like the guy? I, you know, I, I would think at this point uh, the answer would probably be no. At least I can't imagine that whoever is coming in to be the new decision maker is going to look at it and say, well, definitively, this is the guy for us. Uh, especially not when you have potential number two, three, or four pick. Um, <clears throat> nonetheless, it's another opportunity for how to play. Um, there'll probably be some other young players that have those opportunities as well. Uh, John Allen and Kendall Fuller did not practice today. Fuller didn't play last week with the, with a knee, but really, you know, he's been dealing with that all year. I, I can imagine John Allen not playing this week as well. We don't know if how serious an injury or what's going on, but you know, I could imagine him saying, you know, or not. Let me rephrase that. I could just imagine a decision being made to sit him and let Fedarian Mathis play more. That would be a reasonable call, I think, for sure. Um, the big game, of course, for Washington is really their head-to-head against New England for the second pick. The two teams essentially have identical strength of schedule uh, records, whichever team has strength of schedule uh, percentages, whichever team has the lowest one wins the tiebreaker. The Cardinals are unlikely. They are also 4-12, but they are unlikely to jump either Washington or New England. Now, the game itself that they're each playing this week has a lot to do with it. But then there's other games as well. Now, first of all, if Washington loses and New England, uh, uh, well, I think they're like a two-point favorite against the Jets, then Washington's gonna, the, the New England drops out and Washington would get the number two pick with a loss. If, it's, if they both lose, then there's some other games that matter. According to Tankathon, here's what matters the most. Atlanta at New Orleans. Washington will be should be rooting for New Orleans. Um, Washington beat Atlanta this year. You want Atlanta to go. You want their strength of schedule to go down. That happens with a loss. Um, I didn't look this up, but the way Tankathon has this judge, I'm presuming New England uh, had competition against the Saints this year, so they they wanted to go the other way. So root for Atlanta. I'm sorry, root for the Saints in that game, most of all. The other games, if you want to have a rooting interest, the Steelers over Baltimore, which is seems plausible since the Ravens will surely be sitting guys as the one seed. The Colts over Houston, the game is in Indianapolis. Um, that's a game, I think it's the last game of the week. Uh, both teams still in the playoff mix, so that will be a big one for sure. Green Bay over Chicago. That game is in Green Bay. And the Raiders over Denver. You know, the, the Houston Colts game feels like a bit of a pick but it's in Indy. I think Washington has got sort of the better end of all these games that they want to have happen. Like, if you made me pick the games themselves, I guess that Bears-Packers game is a little bit of a toss-up the way the Bears have been playing. But, you know, if you, like I said, if you just want to have something else to pay attention to, Keep track of these games and put two stars on the Atlanta New Orleans one. That's the one, I guess, that has the most weight in that game. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get to it here. Let's get on Brad Spielberger. As I said, a lot of talk about coaching, uh, coaching candidates, GM candidates. That's obviously a lot of what we're talking about. Um, if I didn't say this previously. Washington or any team can start meeting with GM candidates in person on the 8th on Monday. 
coaching candidates not until the 22nd in person. They can do Zooms, um, but that's the deal for now. All right, here we go. My conversation with Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. No, Brad Spielberger. I'm not in legal trouble when I just asked you. Uh, I just double-checked that you're a lawyer. No, I I, um, I was watching. Uh, I, I don't, you know, people like to have music on in the background when they're doing work. Sometimes that works. I often tend to rewatch television shows or movies that I've seen a hundred times just for like background noise almost. So my my latest kick has been The West Wing. I haven't watched it in a while. Um, but obviously a lot of it is just like all kinds of legal stuff. Um, so I don't know if like you're into political stuff, but I got, I don't know. Just like all, all they, they I, every time I see them, I'm just amazed by how quickly they're talking. And like, obviously I know it's acting, but like, I don't even know how the actors even keep all these uh, intricate details. I was just curious if you if you were a West Wing guy. So I do I do need to do a rewatch. I remember liking it when I watched it the first time, but it's been a while now. And also, you're like my wife, who and now we're getting into the the weeds here has something on in the background at all times, including when she is sleeping, needs to have the TV on, which is is why I wear a mask and sometimes earplugs. That's how great of a husband I am. Let's just get into that. How awesome of a husband. Anyway, uh, yeah, lawyers. Look, they love the yap. They talk fast. I think I fit both of those bills. Um, but yeah, anyway, West Wing, good show. Agreed. It is. I do watch. I pretty much have to have something on when I go to sleep. Now, I made a conscious decision a few years ago to take a television out of like not put a TV in like the bedroom or up because I'm like, I, I, I you know, you got to separate sort of church and state. I watch real TV in the living room. But I on my phone, I'll pull up like Netflix. Typically, the Good Place. You ever see that one on NBC? Of course. Oh yeah, I've seen that. At this point, it's like Groundhog Day. I don't. I just go through every episode. I swear, I love the show, but something about the about it. Within ten minutes, I'm out. It's uh, it's better than uh, you know, Nyquil or something. Good place, good show. Yeah, yeah. I've been taking a lot of Dayquil the last few days because I've been kind of. I'm showing Brad a box of Dayquil here because uh, I've been doing that. Well, that's why I, that was on my mind as opposed to something more fun. We'll say. Um, all right, let's get the let's get let's be serious. We're, first of all, we're down to week 18. Uh, we're talking right before the big college football uh, semifinal. So you are the you know the pig in in blank right now. You are loving life. How are you feeling about week 18? Do you feel like you've got a good read on uh, the the contenders and the pretenders at this point? We actually just wrapped up our show talking week 18. So, yeah, I know which games seem to matter and which don't. Um, you know, there's it, actually a decent amount of good football for a week 18, I feel like. It could be just anecdotally what I remember. But there's a handful of high leverage games still. Uh, and, of course, you know, some that don't matter. But, look, playing spoiler in week 18 against a divisional opponent, always fun. Look, the, the game that is arguably the least important on the entire slate is the number one game for Washington fans. That's the Patriots and the Jets because of the uh, tiebreaker situation. If the Patriots win and the commanders lose to Dallas, they will be a big underdog. Washington gets the two pick. If they both lose, then it comes down to strength schedule. The Patriots might have a, uh, an advantage there. So yeah, nobody else will care about that game. Washington people, they, you know, put it injected into their veins, especially if the Patriots somehow win. All right, go Patriots. Now, now that I know, and then you know that way too. I'm trying to think, you know, then Bill Belichick can get himself a better draft pick, right? Because he's coming to Washington, right? So it all, Ugh. it's all kind of three D chess. Oh my God, that that um, 
that narrative has gone away for the moment, but who knows? Everything's about to get ramped up here in the next week. We're all expecting, obviously, massive changes with Washington, and and um, that's kind of what I wanted to get into with you. I know you've been paying a lot of attention to the, the, the potential general manager candidates, the coaching candidates out there, and Washington figures to be in the in the uh, in the mix for all of that. I, I say figures. I you know I think you all know what I mean, but I'm trying to be nice. All right. Um, let me ask you this before we get into specific people. I don't know if this is a weird question. Washington needs both. Would you rather be in the mix for a GM candidate this year or a coaching candidate? In other words, do you feel like one group is stronger than the other group? I would say uh, not because I think one group is stronger than the other. More so, I think that there are it's a big pool of teams that I think are going to hire new head coaches. And so I think there's going to be more competition for those coaching candidates, Um, whereas GM's a little bit of a shorter list, probably still a handful of clubs that will be in there. I also think there there are just more executives that probably don't have a a light shown on them and we don't know much much about them from the outside unless you kind of dig around and, and ask people as much as you can find out about them. So, yeah, I would say it'd probably be easy, not easier is the wrong word, but I think there's probably more flexibility in going into these conversations for a GM. Whereas there are a lot of candidates I like for head coach. I just think there's going to be like seven, eight teams that are all trying to get these top candidates. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, that's obviously a very key point. Is this the pool of teams looking for GM, uh, figures to be smaller than, than the coaches. Um, I think the thing that's interesting about the coaches, just since you mentioned that, is look, uh, you, you mentioned Belichick. If he does become available, he's obviously going to be something you have to consider because of who he is. Whether teams like it's hard to imagine Bill Belichick wanting to coach and everybody being like, eh. you know, in a year from now, somehow, whatever it'll be, it'll be like the Lamar Jackson thing. How come nobody checked in on him? You know, like one of those things. Um, but there's not like an like if be, like Ben Johnson's like the big name, obviously, right? Cool, I get it, but he's you know a coordinator who has you know two years ago nobody knew who he was. That's like the big name. Um, so it is kind of weird that there's not, and I'm not saying there is necessarily on the GM side either, but it just feels like you know the coaches we're more familiar with, and uh, it doesn't seem like there's like a big name out there that at at, at the moment that we know of. Well, I, I take no. that back. I take that back. Jim Harbaugh is potentially out there. So I guess everything I just said, I'm going to delete this. Ignore that. Everything I just said. No, I think it's fair, but I also think more and more as time goes on, we should probably like not like not think that way or not view that way. Like coming into last year, you know, Shane Steichen had called plays for two years, I think, one year in Philly, one year, or maybe three years, two years in Philly, one year in L.A. I think he's a borderline coach of the year candidate right now with the Colts. Um, you know, like it's the guys can rise and ascend pretty quickly. Mike McDonald in Baltimore is probably the hottest defensive candidate. Um, not probably. I mean, there's no <laughs> reality where he isn't the hottest defensive candidate. He's been maybe the best coordinator in football this year. He's probably only coached plays in the NFL for two years now. I want to say he was at Michigan with Harbaugh. Uh huh. You know, so he's done a lot. But yeah, like it's it's the world we live in now, and there's probably some some bad examples too. But you're hiring guys that are 33 that have coached plays for you know called plays for for two three years, but that's that's kind of the landscape we're in right now. All right, so here's what I wanted to do. Um, well, I'm sure we'll hit, we'll hit on a bunch of names as we go through this, but for, for both the coaches and the GMs, I wanted to ask, like, sort of of the ones everybody thinks is going to get hired, who is one that you like of that group? And I know it's all relative to a coach might make more sense for Washington than he does the Chargers or what have you, but you know you can you can lean it towards Washington if you want, but just in general, 
what you think, then an under the radar guy, and then uh, and then we'll kind of go from there. So among the favorites, we just mentioned a couple of them, and uh, favorite is a relative term, but just the ones that everybody seems to be discussing the most. We'll see what happens. You never know. Who for you is the guy out there like, wow, if I have an opportunity to get this person on my team for how I, Brad Spielberger, want my organization to run, what, you know, whatever it may be, who, who's for you, the, the, the candidate out there, you're like, that, that's the one for me? I'd have here, and for favorite for me, I'm also just looking at past cycles and how guys performed, and we do get reports of, like, X person was a finalist or whatever. You know, you also hear things personally. But I know Glenn Cook, who's the Cleveland Browns assistant general manager, was a finalist for a couple jobs. And he technically wasn't a finalist for the Bears, but I know the Bears liked him a lot and were super impressed by him. Um, and he was definitely one of the top candidates in that Ryan Poles hiring cycle. Um, he is a guy that was in Indy for a year, then went to Green Bay for a while, um, and then now made his way to Cleveland and has kind of climbed the ranks. And I think for me, I always try to assign kind of credit, and it's a very hard thing to do, but he's a pro scout, uh, and I think you just look at what the Browns have done in the free agent market and the trade for veteran market, and look at just this year alone. They signed Ogbakaronquo, trade for Zadarius Smith. You had Delvin Tomlinson, Shelby Harris. Um, you know, you trade for Mari Cooper a couple of years ago. You, you trade for Elijah Moore, who's been solid. Like, you just look at all the kind of additions they've made on the pro side. Again, we don't know if that's entirely his responsibility. Um, and and it's, it's been good. I mean, I think it's the Browns, honestly, like, have built this roster in a funky and a weird way um, where they've had all these early picks. Some have panned out, some haven't. But the sprinkling of a lot of good veteran talent has been huge. And then, yeah, I just know that he is viewed in a very positive light, a very favorable light. This Browns, you know, incubator of, of, of forward thinkers and progressive thinkers. Uh, it, my understanding is he's part of that. So he's probably the name I would, I would say there. For for anybody who's listening, uh, I screwed up there. Brad was good. I told Brad before we started, we're going to talk GMs first. And I said coaches. No. So he's fine. Uh, the um, Yeah, he's certainly a name that's on the list. Um, I just wrote a story that went up on uh, Monday on The Athletic of like, did my own due diligence of candidates. He certainly was a name that was mentioned often. I didn't include him in my 12, not because he's not being con- met, considered. I, I mentioned him in the Catherine Rage. Uh, how do you say her name? Yep, yep, you got it. I mentioned in her in her little blurb. Um, the larger point for me would be Cleveland is now, I think, becoming one of those places that teams are saying, oh, I like what they're doing. You know, they're actually a team that sort of did – the quote-unquote process that Josh Harris did in the NBA a couple of years ago when Sashi Brown was there. They got a lot of picks, and obviously, considering how crazy their quarterback situation has been, it says a lot about their overall roster that they've been able to succeed even though they've got four quarterbacks. Flu game. It's a it's a Ben Standing flu game. I was going to let him just battle through, but I'll, I'll fill the dead air. He's fighting people. He's fighting for you, creating content for you. Um, but anyway, he's he's chugging some Nyquil or Day, no Dayquil, Dayquil. He's trying to stay a lot, trying to stay awake. Anyway, he's he's joining us shortly. I think he's back in the mix, ladies and gentlemen. Ben Standick. Too funny. Um, yeah, I was dying there for a second. It's even funnier doing it over Zoom because I could see myself dying as it was happening. I'm trying to contain a cough. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think Glenn Cook. But now, so if you're saying Glenn Cook, you obviously not only think he's one of the top candidates, which I don't disagree with at all but you mentioned him over in adam peters and ian cunningham um both assistant gms at the 49ers and bears respectively at dodds assistant gm with the colts those are some of the other names um 
because I know you pay attention to these things and like analytics gets talked about a lot and all this kind of fun stuff. Uh, I'm not saying you're necessarily saying cook is better than them, but just for your purposes that that's kind of what you uh, you're, you're looking at in this era of different types of GMs. Is there something about cook that sort of ultimately just fills the bill of what you kind of think is the best way to go, or maybe more importantly, how teams are kind of viewing it. So I'm looking at your list now, and I mean, I wrote an article about GM candidates, and we I think we share almost every name here. There's a couple that I uh, that you had that I did not, and, and vice versa. But yeah, that is definitely a part of it. I mean, Adam Peters and San Fran, that is also an organization that like kind of doesn't get talked about enough, I think, as being under Pragmarate and and Brian Hampton, a lot of the, the the kind of things they've done there. Obviously, they you know cultivated the career of a Quezia Dofo Mensa. Um, they don't really get to talk about in that light, but and maybe they're not the Ravens, they're not the Eagles, they're not the Browns, but they're on that next list. Um, Peter's my understanding, though, for him is like he's waiting for the right job. And maybe that is, you know, Washington. Um, you know, some people thought maybe he would try to go to Houston if Tomiko kind of won a power struggle over, uh, you know, Nick Casario, like stuff like that. Like he's just turned down so many opportunities, it sounds like, or has kind of made it clear he's not interested when he probably could have been a GM already. So, you know, that, that's kind of weighing in there. And then. Ian Cunningham's definitely going to be on the shortlist for a lot of people. Obviously, you know, I'm a Chicago guy as well. Um, you know, his background was in Baltimore and Philadelphia. So, of course, connected to a million different people, uh, you know, whether it's coaches, other front office people, what have you. Um, you know, a strong background there. I know he worked with Eugene Shen uh, in, oh, was it Baltimore for them too? Yeah. Um, so, obviously, an, a very clear connection to Washington there. And, yeah, people are a huge fan of his. And the only thing holding him back was – He'd been on the road so much and, and now being actually in the building and like doing administrative stuff, leading people, being a manager of people. Um, it, it sounded like that was kind of like the last you know box to tick off. And, and I think, I mean, look, the Bears last two draft classes are now playing remarkably good for the last six, eight weeks of the season. Um, you know, some free agency, some hits. There's been some misses, but I think on the sum, they've been very, very good. I, I'd be kind of surprised if Cunningham does not fill one of these spots this offseason. So, yeah, those guys make sense for sure. And the Montez Sweat trade. I mean, every I mean, Montez Sweat should get MVP votes based on how the Bears have turned <laughs> things around since um since the trade. Yeah, I mean, I I would go with Cunningham and like you know I people have heard me say this a lot. It is challenging when you talk about assistant GMs or coordinators as to well, okay, it's they're they're applying for a different job. It's not the same job. You have to be the leader of men or make the final decision or what have you. And also, like, how much are they doing? Right? It's like. That's my, my concern always when you have a coordinator who is on the same side of the ball as the head coach. So, you know, you can say you like Frank Smith. We'll get to the coaches, but you can say you can like Frank Smith in Miami, but it's Mike McDaniel who's actually calling the plays. This is what Eric Bieniemy went through. And the same thing on the executive side. But that said, based on Cunningham's background, you mentioned the Bears. I don't, wanna, I don't know if it's too much to say they're turning things around, but clearly something has been clicking in more this year. You know, Washington – when they beat Washington in week five, that was their first win. What are they? How many wins do they have now? Seven and nine now. <laughs> right. And, I mean, and, that's a pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. big and turnaround. With bad teams, but convincing wins. And, you know, particularly the defense is a bunch of literally like littered with uh, their draft picks the last two years. And all of them are playing like really good football. So. All right. So, all right. So uh, you got Cook. I've got, I'll go with Ian Cunningham. How about the under the radar uh, candidate. And this could be obviously a big relative term. Somebody who you would think is under the radar might be top or higher for me, but it's all it's all relative. But basically just somebody who, you know, we're all doing SEO games, you know, trying to get people to hit, you know, get the right places in Google. So somebody who would not be necessarily 
an SEO name at, at a minimum? Who for you is somebody you think not getting enough attention, but would be somebody you would actually take a big, long look at? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you two and I'll be, I'll be quick. Uh, not to cheat here. Like you said, it's all relative, but um, one of them is Brent Tillis, who is the VP of football operations in Kansas city. He is a quote unquote cap guy, um, which is not why I'm shouting him out, you know, and loyalty to fellow cap guys, but interviewed in Carolina for the GM job before they hired Scott Fitterer. So he's been, you know, in the mix for jobs, which not a lot of cap people are. And he's not just that he is also a, you know, a talent evaluator, been there for a very long time. Obviously, they've lost Ryan Poles to the Chicago Bears. They have other people there. Um, assistant GM, was it Dave Berganzi? No, it's Mike Berganzi. I think Dave Berganzi is the linebacker's coach for the Bears. But anyway, um, I think Tillis is just, again, like a – if a team's looking for kind of a more new-age forward thinker to a degree, but also still a football guy, but has the kind of roster construction, salary cap background, um, a, a name that probably doesn't get enough attention because I think he will be – if there is a cap guy that gets hired, um, I think he might be the next one. And then similar is Chad Brinker, who is the assistant general manager, comma, strategy uh, for the Tennessee Titans. So he's fascinating to me. Uh, he was off my radar before I wrote my article. Um, and, and in talking to you know the people I spoke with, his name kind of kept coming up. Uh, and so I did a deep dive on him and, and learned a bunch about him. Uh, was with the Packers for a while. And while he was in Green Bay, he was both working on salary cap and contracts, but also in the pro scouting side um, at the same time. So he was like, he was going to like business school, I think at Northwestern in the off seasons and was also learning how to be a pro scout at a higher level. And then also working on, you know, salary cap management and contract negotiation for these, you know, pro scouting free agency work he was doing. So does a good job, now goes to Tennessee in, a, in, a, in an elevated role. Um, You know, probably too early, been one year, but he's your analytics kind of like, apparently he built out a lot of what Green Bay does. Tennessee probably was dead last in analytics, quote unquote, before 2023. He's gone there and built that out, Um, maybe early, but but I think is a good sleeper candidate. Yeah, uh, Brinker was on my list. You know, I, I'm sure you had the same dilemma. At some point, you have to cut it off. You can't just keep going with, every name you hear about or all the potentially good candidates and uh, or you know um so yeah so that one makes sense i i'll i in my previous podcast that i put up on monday i went through two of the ones that were on my in my story one was um john Spitek, the assistant gm with tampa now he's been interviewed before as well he was in the mix for pittsburgh but i say under the radar because i feel like we don't look at tampa bay as like uh an organization to raid even though it's it's almost like you know Tom Brady got all the credit for what they did, but I keep pointing out like Tom Brady chose them because he didn't want to he didn't want to go to a middling team. He wanted to go to a team that had a lot of good stuff. But they just were missing him. They did that. They won the Super Bowl, uh, and then they've been you know obviously they haven't reached those heights since, but they're they're on the verge of being a three time three consecutive uh, NFC North champ. They're doing and this year they're doing it with like a seventy five million dollar dead cap charge so spy tech is the number two there i think is interesting um and uh donna ponte who's in the nfl office on the operation side she's a name that came up for me a couple of times um as well the the, the donna ponte thing is that you have any feel for that because that's sort of the most out of the box one that i've had because she's not with a team but she has been with teams in the past yeah, she has been in the past. I've heard the name before for sure. I think I could be wrong. She's also, uh, I think she was the person that was in Buffalo kind of dealing with the whole like DeMar Hamlin situation. Like she she wears a million different hats. Yeah. I could be making that up. But um, like she, you know, so she knows everybody. She works, you know, in various different capacities. Like you said, she, I think she was salary cap with the Jets for a while. Um, 
and then also worked her way up in Cleveland, maybe one of the other teams. Um, I'm blanking now. Your article probably has this all covered. So, uh, but yeah, no, she's been around for a while. I, it didn't come up to me, and 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 you know maybe um, that's just because of who I spoke with. Spy Tech for sure. I mean, the Bucks don't get credit. They've been as good of a drafting team over the last five six years as any team in the NFL. He also was in Philly and Denver back when Denver was, you know, awesome with the best defense in football, won a Super Bowl ring. I think he was there for the Eagles. Nah, maybe missed the Eagles ring and was already in Tampa. But anyway, been around a lot of smart people, Andy Reid, the Denver teams, et cetera. And now Tampa does not get enough credit. Um, Spytech probably should be a GM here soon. All right. Um, here's the one. This, is the, this will be the most fun one. Obviously, when we're all doing these lists, to some degree, everybody's sort of picking similar people because we're looking at, the depth charts of all these front offices, who's the assistant GM, who's somebody, you know, that people have talked about, et cetera. But then there's the, you know, every once in a while, somebody, there's some hire where you're like, whoa, that person, they just got that person. How is like, you know, like I, this is a, my NBA thought, like when Brad Stevens went to the Celtics, you're like, what, how does that happen? How did Brad Stevens go from Butler to the Celtics? You know, something like that. So who is somebody for you? You're like, you know what? I got a phone. I got their number. I'm making a call. I'm checking in. I'm seeing their pulse. I'm seeing, are they happy where they are? Are they willing to come out of retirement? Whatever it might be, or just interested in the job. John Lynch, right? I mean, he was doing TV and all of a sudden he's helping run the 49ers front office. So wherever this person might come from, who for you is somebody you'd be like, I'm at least making a call before I make a final final decision. Yeah, you just touched on it. Coming out of retirement, sort of. I'm fascinated by, for whatever reason, it seems way easier to be a second-time head coach than it does a second-time GM. It's so rare. It almost doesn't happen anymore. Um, And I think, look, for for good reasons sometimes, maybe guys – you know, are resistant to change or, or, you know, the game has passed them by and they don't want to, they don't want to adapt and grow. That does not apply in any way, shape or form to Thomas Dimitrov, who was the Falcons GM for a dozen years, obviously built a Super Bowl. I mean, they should have won a Super Bowl, uh, but you know, a very good team around at Matt Ryan. Look, it did fall apart at the end there. I think he, even he would tell you, you know, they kind of leveraged a lot of their money. They traded up a bunch and it kind of fell apart. Although it's kind of funny also in hindsight, like, the building blocks of their team, the cornerstones of like Lindstrom and Terrell and all these pieces were his draft picks. But um, anyway, he now is at Sumer Sports, which people probably are familiar with, kind of this like think tank. You know, it's all about roster construction for them and like using data and, and various different tools and models to kind of optimize roster construction strategy, um, given the current context of your roster or in a, you know, I think, you know, in a vacuum, like whatever. I just think it's fascinating because he has this Patriots scouting background. Um, he also came up, I want to say, uh, through like a Ron Wolf tree originally, then went to the Patriots. And now I think he's embraced like just all different perspectives. And that's just, that's who I'm looking for is, I'm not saying just because he's an analytics guy, but it's just like, he clearly wants to grow and learn and add tools to his toolbox. Um, why not get, give that guy another shot? He was very, very good for a very long time. Yeah, I I like that. When I it was funny when I was when I did my list of GMs, I'm like, man, I don't have any former ones on here. This doesn't seem to make sense to me. Like, shouldn't there somebody somebody in here? And I had a couple on my short list. I just didn't ultimately do it. So I think that's a good idea. All right, I'm gonna give you a, a wacky one. Wacky only in the sense of like he currently has a job. So the idea of poaching somebody from another team is kind of, you know, can be unbecoming depending on the situation. I mentioned. 
Ed Dodds earlier. He's the uh, assistant GM at the Colts, and he's one of those assistant GMs that does a lot of work. He's, I believe, somebody told me he sets their board for the draft. He's he does a lot, and one of the reasons why he's been, he's turned down jobs in the past, from what I gather, is he's thinks he's in a pretty good spot, and it sounds like he gets to do a lot of stuff. He's not just a right hand man, but that is a weird organization. Jim Ursay, look, I know from weird owners, Jim Ursay and Dan Snyder are very different types of weird owners, but like, you know, multiple times a year, Ursay is saying something that leads to problems. Like, I know they got the Jonathan Taylor deal done, but I mean, Ursay was opening up his mouth and I know they were able to trade Carson Wentz here, but you know, he's like spouting off in public and over and over again, he makes his, makes the job that much tougher for their front office. So I'm going to say, Hey, Chris Ballard. You know, I know, I know you're a good GM. I know this because in the uh, NFL agent survey on the athletic, the first four years of the, of its existence, you were voted the best town evaluator out there. You get a lot of praise. And I know the Colts have been up and down the last couple of years, having a better year this year, but look, I mean, the quarterback situation, Andrew Luck, I mean, come on. He just retires out of the blue. Don't you want to be in a stable setting? And like, you know, if I'm watching, look, I, I get it. Stable is the relative term here, but look, it's clearly we're not Dan Snyder. Look, if you know, look at Josh, me, Josh Harris. I got um, the Sixers, the Devils. We're fine. What would you would, would you like to get away from crazy? That that would be. I would just wonder. I would just wonder. And Ursay, because he has Dodds there, might be willing to be like, well, I mean, still have someone. So that that that, that that's my. I'm gonna make a call. I mean, do would you know? So they have Dodds and Morocco Brown. I think is is viewed as a very good town evaluator. Morocco Brown used to be here also for what it, yeah for what it's worth. True, true, true. Do you know would that require trade compensation? I would think so, right? I mean, that would. I don't uh, know what I don't know what I don't know how to gauge that. Like, yeah, you know, know. Seen, like I'll, I'll find that one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work on that. I've seen like first round picks, obviously, like for like John Gruden and stuff, but I don't know. How that works yeah. for a GM. I don't know. That that that's where it maybe gets a little hairy. If I you know, I don't imagine Harris wants to give up assets. But like I said, the whole you know, because that's the other thing. If you're hiring a first-time GM, you are taking the risk that things don't work. I mean, George Payton in Denver for a long time was the guy was the Adam Peters of the of the assistant GM group, the guy to hire. Well, they've had some problems. You may have heard about this. So um he was. He was. So I don't know. That's all I'm saying. All right, we're going to run through this really quick for the coaches as well before I let Brad go. So same thing of like sort of the favorite names out there. Who's the guy for you? Again, all, however you view the situation, who's the one for you? You're like, this is where I'd like to go. It's Ben Johnson for me, and I'm sure people have fatigue with this at this point. Um, but I think there's so many data points we have by PFF. I wrote an article about it. Um, this isn't like a Jared Goff bashing, but I, you know, I don't think he's an upper echelon quarterback, and, and they've had a phenomenal offense. He has... Um, incredible spacing and, and route combinations and just like getting guys open using defenses leverage against them. You can tell he knows like there, there's a, a method to his madness on every single snap of what he's doing, the sequencing of his plays. He'll run the ball 10 times in a row. If he wants to, he'll throw the ball 10 times in a row. If he wants to, he'll have a nice, you know, balanced blend, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I just think he is the best play, one of the best play callers, maybe not Kyle Shanahan level, but like, you know, a clear cut top five play caller in football. Um, I think he's with it in terms of obviously that, you know, you don't, you shouldn't be going for fourth. And by the way, you shouldn't be going for two from the eight yard line, but uh, which is probably Dan Campbell's decision, not his. But anyway, he's obviously, you know, has a game plan. He he tells which guy to, to declare is eligible and the refs are, are idiots. And that's a whole different thing. But anyway. Uh, for me, it is Ben Johnson. I think I think he's the the crown jewel right now of the the upcoming assistants. 
by the way, since you mentioned it, all this, everybody wants to murder the referee who blew that play for the Lions. I get it. He messed up. What, why does nobody give Dan Campbell grief? Why are you kicking the extra point from the seven or the eight or whatever and going overtime? But then maybe you win. Like, I don't like what, what are we the doing? First one, the first one, good call. I'm with it. You should never go for two from yeah. the seven or eight yards. Yeah, that's insane. He was, you could tell he was like so mad. Yeah, he was just going to jam it in. And I'm like, Okay, fine. We've 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 castrated the ref. Can't you go after the the point of the coach? And you know, even this when they get it after the penalty, I'm like, all right, your your team is everybody's mad. You're you know, swords a little bit. Just calm down. Take the extra point. Go to overtime. All right, that's their problem. Um, I I I, I like I, I like that that call. I mean, look, I don't know. He's gonna have options. I would think you'd want to be, play with Justin Herbert over whatever Washington has, but you know, who knows? We'll see. Um, under the radar, under the radar candidate, who who would you go with there? It's probably too early, but I think we'll start hearing a little bit more about Dave Canales, who is the Buccaneers offensive coordinator, was in Seattle for a while, not only one year play caller. So that is obviously a bit of a ding against him. You know, Shane Waldron, I think has been doing good things in Seattle, uh, you know, both before and after, but he was a QB coach. So he obviously was part of the Geno Smith bounce back has gotten a great year out of Baker Mayfield, um, you know, and, and also Tampa Bay in 2022 was, and of course, part of it's Tom Brady, but dead last in play action. I think they were dead last in pre-snap motion. Um, and he comes in, they, I think they were lead, lead, led the league in play action or certainly up there. Um, a lot of motion, got a lot, a lot out of rookie players like Trey Palmer at receiver, Luke Hideki, the right tackle, had a career year. And not all of this is him, but um, just, again, elevated what he had. Um, you know, Baker is a so-so player, and he made him look very, very good. Uh, and got better as the year went on, too. His pressure to sack rate is like half of what it was, and that obviously that matters a whole lot in Washington. Uh, his pressure to sack rate was 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 legitimately like half of what it was the last two years of his, of his NFL career. So, Probably not going to hire this year. Maybe he does, but but probably early. But but Dave Canales is a name that I'm I'm pretty interested in. If I was giving an under the radar one, that would have been mine. Because I think the okay. thing is like if, if Ben Johnson goes somewhere else, but you want an offensive guy, okay, who's the next one? I think for a while I was like, okay, well Bobby Slowick, you know, I that he could maybe he's the new Mike McDaniel minus the personality. Although I don't know his personality, but clearly nobody's going to have McDaniel's. Um, but Canales, the more I've talked to people and thought about it. I had the same reaction. He's also like, you know, he was in Seattle with Russell Wilson, I believe. Right. And Russell Wilson has not been as uh, the same guy since he left. That's not saying it's all him. I'm just saying those are things that happened. Yeah. So I think Canales would be interesting um, for sure. All right. And then the completely out of the box. I'm not, I'm going to at least make a phone call and see, do, do you have a name for that? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, uh, give me a second here to stall as I think about this. Just for Washington fans, we're not calling Joe Gibbs, just to be clear. that, 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 that ship, He's already done it twice. He already did his uh, came back once. But Joe Gibbs finished with an under 500 record, still the best. If we don't count Marty Schottenheimer's one year, easily the best record under the Snyder era. He went to the playoffs twice, and everybody else, not so good. So Joe Gibbs, still great, but no, not him. I guess I'll mirror what you did with Ballard, and I want to hear your outside the box too. I'll mirror what you did with Ballard. I don't know if it's possible, but uh, we talked about a different coach maybe being traded. I called Tennessee about Mike Vrabel and said, hey, you you pushed off a rebuild that you probably should have undertaken this year, um, which looks so bad now in hindsight. I mean, they paid Andre Dillard. They paid DeAndre Hopkins. They paid Ryan Tannehill $30 million to do nothing. Um, It just added a year to their rebuild. Call Vrabel, say, hey, we'll pay you – I, I don't know his salary, but I'm assuming that Josh Harris could triple it. Um, 
and just see see what he says. Make him say no. Um, I like it. I like it. Um, I don't really have one. I, I, I you know, as I was, I was like, eh, I don't really do. It. I mean, I mean, in my head, I was just going to joke and say John Gruden, but I'm pretty sure that's not going to work here in particular. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I, 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 I was trying to think of a college guy. I mean, that doesn't really seem to work. So I really don't exactly like this I, I, idea. But you know, co- the quarterbacks thing is such a big deal. Um, you know, I, I the, the one of the games tonight is a Texas. I know Steve Sarkeesian has sort of been in up to this gateway before. I don't know if that makes any real sense. I'm just trying to think outside the box, but. You know, it, it, if I'm going to go to the college ranks, it's probably got to be somebody who I think can be a quarterback guru because of either they draft a quarterback, Washington with a third or fourth pick or second pick, or, um, you know, Sam Howe, whatever it's going to be. So I don't know if he's the right answer, and I caught myself uh, off guard by asking a question that I didn't, wasn't prepared to answer. See, it goes back to the lawyer. You never ask a question that you're not, you're not sure what yeah. the answer is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'll go with somebody like with, with that, somebody who has some NFL experience, like Lincoln Riley, I don't know if he has NFL experience. I don't think so. But like that, I don't know. Weird things are happening. Texas is like at least it appears they're on the upswing. I mean, they could easily win the national title here. And you know, he's done some good things. I think at, with what he's had, he was with Nick Saban in Alabama. So uh, that would be an out of the box. Yeah, I like that I call. Myself. Yeah, no, Sark done. is Sark is a good call. You you battled through that one and came up with a very good answer. All right, good deal. All right, I got the I got the Spielberger uh, approval. All right, uh, what does everybody need to know about what you're up to over at uh, PFF? What's going on that uh, people should be uh, reading over there? Yeah, well, I think you and I will both be covering all that we just talked about. Um, you know, through through when that happens. Um, but also for me, it, it's free agency time, and for Commanders fans as well. I, I always lean on. I appreciate the fan bases that are looking at free agency in January. I'm a Bears fan. I'm right there with you. Oh, yeah. Top 100 free agencies out. Obviously, you have some pending guys like Cam Curl, um, you know, and also obviously some other players you can go target to add to your roster. So, yeah, I'll be grinding the film, grinding the data, and uh, probably push that out to hopefully 250, maybe 300 free agents by uh, by March, mid-March. Hardcore. Are you going to be at the Senior Bowl? We'll see about Senior Bowl. I'll be at the Combine. I'll be at the Super Bowl this year for the first time. So maybe, oh. maybe if you're at either of those, you'll see. Yeah, Senior Bowl's up in the air. But I'm doing my first Super Bowl in Vegas. Funny how that worked out. I mean, you know, what are the odds? But anyway, well, so that, that's where I'll be. Well, I'm jealous about that. I don't know about the Senior Bowl either, but hopefully I'll be in Mobile uh, when they especially will have a new GM and coach. Uh, all right, Brad, you rule. Go watch football. We'll talk soon, man. Appreciate it. That's good. Thank you. All right, big thanks to Brad Spielberger for his time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. Um, happy New Year again to all. Hope hope 2024 is better for you, for you, you fans out there. I mean, you know, I know so many of you are getting frustrated or have been frustrated by this season, and I get it. But at the same point, knowing where this is going, with in terms of the ownership, I mean, it, it, it should be a pretty happy time from that perspective at, at a minimum just keep that in mind that's it for now and standing signing off until next time see ya